Well, I want to share on something I'm tremendously excited about, and let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to share on the Passover meal and the original Passover meal and how God worked in that meal and how that our communion, the Lord's Supper, is the extension of that original Passover meal. And we've got an old covenant Passover meal and blessings associated with it. And can I get a witness that we live in a better covenant, established on better promises. And yet many do not know the benefits of the Lord's Supper, our Passover meal and what we just participated in and how to mix faith with the Lord's Supper, how to mix faith with our Passover meal. So let's look at the original Passover meal here quickly. We could spend the whole time on it alone. I'm just going to share some of it and tie it in again to our Passover meal. Exodus chapter 12, verse three, God has judged Egypt for the kidnapping, kidnapping of his people and enslaving of his people And there's been nine plagues that I believe were the mercy of God. They're called plagues in the Bible, 10 plagues. The one, the 10th one was an act of judgment in the death of the firstborn in Egypt. And I believe the first nine was God's warning, God's mercy, God's loving kindness reaching out to Egypt right to the end to do the right thing. And so we're coming up on that final plague, the judgment of the firstborn. And God says to Moses, speak to all the congregation saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. In other words, if you had a small family and you could not eat all of the lamb, then you would invite another small family together so that you could, you could eat all of the lamb. He says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Now we could literally spend a whole hour on that, the the bitter herbs reminding them of the bondage for 430 years in slavery and and then the, the, uh, the unleavened bread, it had to be unleavened bread. And as this was established throughout their history, you could not have leavened bread. And if you put that with the New Testament, sin is like leaven in the New Testament. We've been made a holy lump. As I scan this crowd, there's a lot of lumps. We've been made a holy lump, holy bread in Jesus, and we must deal habitually, personally, and even corporately 
with sin that is like leaven that can leaven the whole, the whole lump. And those are difficult issues to deal with, especially publicly, because we have to do this in the love of God. He says that in verse eight, then you shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with the bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil at all with water, but roasted in fire. Once you see the lamb is a type of Christ, how many of you know he went through the most fiery trial any human being has ever experienced on this planet at the cross? Roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And if Brother Dwayne is among you and you can't quite get to the entrails, what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. In my house, there'd have been a big fire <laughs> on having to eat the entrails. But anyway, and thus you shall eat it. Here's how you eat it. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. You take blood. If you'll go on and read this, there was hyssop that was used to apply the blood to the doorpost and the lintel being the top. And I think it's always important to note that they didn't put blood on the threshold. Because how many of you know you don't walk over or on the blood of Jesus Christ, even in type and shadow? And so they took a hyssop branch, which was a common weed in Palestine at the time, and easy for everyone to to find and you take the hyssop branch, put it in the blood and apply it to the areas he said. I'm here to tell you that faith is the hyssop branch that's common throughout the world. That you can mix faith with the sacrifice of Jesus, mix faith with the love of Jesus, mix faith with who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you and apply it to your heart and now your life. And so you too will experience the angel of death passing over. The angel of death passed over every house where it saw, it saw the blood and then judgment came to the firstborn throughout all of, of Egypt. Obviously, it's easy to see the lamb being a type of Jesus, but notice they had the blood over them and they had the lamb in them. And they were to eat it in haste, dressed Knowing, and if you go back and read around this original Passover, I mean, in the middle of the night, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and gave them permission and begged them to leave and to, and to get out. So they, they left with, with haste. Now, I think it's easy for anyone within the sound of my voice to identify with and have an understanding of the blood and the forgiveness of our sins, the cleansing of our sins, all things. The Bible teaches all things are cleansed by blood. And so the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all of our sin, all of our impurity, all of our iniquities, all of our trespasses, literally cleansed and washed us in the presence of God the Father now. And just like judgment came to Egypt, a type of the world, there is a judgment coming that 
we have lost somehow. I'm not sure how this happened because when I was a kid, there was an abuse of preaching judgment. Everything was God judging you and condemning you and, and hurting you and harming you and just wrath and wrath and wrath. And I mean, I don't remember a service where wrath wasn't mentioned and anger of God. And now it's like we've gone over into another ditch in a few decades of preaching, evidently, where people don't want to hear anything about the wrath to come and about judgment to come. When bad things happen, this is, please, please bear with me if you've been through a tragedy recently or a crisis and you're still hurting. But many times when we go through a tragedy or a crisis or just a bad place in our life, people will say things like, well, where is God? I thought you serve a God of justice. And they start talking about justice. We do serve a God of justice, and I can promise you a day is coming, and in one day, God will balance the accounts of every man. There will be justice. Until that day, God is loving and merciful and long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. But the book of Revelation, one of the reasons... So few Christians read the book of Revelation is because it makes no apology for the wrath to come. And that there's a day of justice. There's a day of balancing the accounts of every man and all the evil that's been done and the evil that's being done, it will be paid for. To the unbelieving and rebellious, the wrath of God shall come. And it will not be a beautiful day for Egypt. It will not be a beautiful day for the world, the day of the Lord. You and I have escaped that judgment. We've escaped that punishment. We've escaped that wrath. And we have lost something in our churches of pure thanksgiving and praise. Now, don't misunderstand me. I need to, I need to thank God for my pickup truck, my beloved pickup truck. Did you get that a day? It's my beloved pickup truck. And I do thank God for my pickup truck. I, I need to thank God for my porch that we just, Sue and I live in the barn part of our property now. We live in a barn. I can leave the door open, hallelujah. I might not have been born in a barn, but I'm gonna die in one with the door open. And so we have this beautiful porch screened in porch. And I thank God for that. I praise God for that. I'm trying to make a quick point here. I'm not saying we shouldn't be thankful for stuff and we shouldn't be thankful for things we have in this life. But saints in the church, there should be explosive praise and worship like we experienced in this service that's rooted in we've been saved from the wrath that's coming. We missed we missed the devil's hell that we were worthy of. Nobody, oh man, I get so excited. Nobody in those houses was worthy for that angel of death to pass over them in and of themselves. Every one of them. Those people were as messed up as the Egyptians were. If you don't believe it, watch them go to Sinai. Watch them get the, the big 10. And while Moses is getting the big 10, they're at the bottom breaking all of them. These were not a holy people. They were made holy by faith. 
They were a saved people. They were a redeemed people by God. God saved them, and that angel passed over them when he saw the blood. And there's a day coming that Ezekiel chapter 9 talks about marking God's people. And the angel of death in type and shadow came, and everyone who did not have that mark died. Everybody. Children. Women. Everybody died that didn't have that mark. You jump over into the book of Revelation. There's another day coming where the angel of death will come upon this Egypt. And you better have the mark of Jesus on your forehead. You better be marked by God, not religion. Marked by God, not your own holiness. Marked by God, not your hairdos. Marked by God, not your clothes. Marked by God Almighty through faith in the blood of Jesus. And the angel of death, if we're still here, when that day happens, it will pass over us. Hallelujah. And that's what we're thankful for. Well, I just don't have anything to be thankful for. I lost my job. I'm not trying to be mean. And insensitive, I'm sorry you lost your job, but are you going to hell or heaven? Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, get excited about it. <laughs> I'd rather go to heaven without a job than to go to hell fully employed. Amen. So this was the first original Passover, but it wasn't just blood. There was a provision in the eating of the lamb. Go to Psalm 105. In verse 38 of Exodus chapter 12, it says there was a mixed multitude among them. I love that. A mixed multitude among them that went up with them. Think about that for a minute. A mixed multitude. So see, it wasn't just Hebrews that God saved, he saved anybody and everybody that would mix faith with the blood of the lamb. A mixed multitude means many of the Egyptians repented. Many of the Egyptians saw the locusts. They saw the frogs in their beds. They saw <laughs> all these plagues. The river Nile turned to blood. They saw the temporary judgments of God. I think, I think we need to grow up a little more and be prepared for some temporary judgments of God in the earth here soon. Before the second coming of the Lord, there will be warnings. There, there will be temporal judgments to give everybody one more chance. That's how good God is. And so after nine plagues, many of them said, I'm not staying home tonight watching I Love Lucy. I'm, I'm getting in a Hebrew home and I'm getting some blood over me and some lamb in me. God willed to save all of Egypt, but they rejected him. They renounced him. They refused to believe and it brought final judgment. In Psalms 105, this particular Psalm Got corrected last week. I made two major mistakes. <laughs> I had dyslexia when I talked about my heart. 
And I said something like a, a 90% clog for you is a 20% clog for me. And everybody asked me later, well, how come you're not more healthy? And how did you have a heart attack? If yours is only 20% clogged, well, yours is the 20 and mine was the 90. I just had a dyslexic moment. And then I kept saying Psalms with an S when it is a Psalm. Sunday, my grandson has gotten on this bandwagon of critiquing me after I preach. <laughs> Malachi looks at me and says, it's not bone marrow. It's bone marrow. <laughs> potato, potato. What is the problem with people? <laughs> Psalm 105. This is the account. This is what you got to learn about the Bible. When you read different stories in the Bible, different miracles, signs, wonders, different manifestations of God and his provision, it doesn't always record everything in one setting or one passage that happened. That's why we need to be basic students of the Bible itself because the Bible completes itself. It complements itself. It explains itself. And you have 600,000 men alone that are numbered in that great exodus. Now, how many of you know if there were 600,000 men, there was a million women? <laughs> There's never been a gathering anywhere with more men than women. I had a men's retreat one time and more women showed up. We got a report about the camp on the little kids, the camp. And the girls had a revival. The girls are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Girls are just bouncing off the walls. And so the girls are having a revival. The boys are just having a survival. Somebody, somebody asked Israel, what was your favorite day of camp? He said, Sunday. And they said, well, Sunday that we didn't have camp. And Israel said, that's why it was my favorite day. <laughs> you, <laughs> oh, I love my kids. You got 600,000 men. Well, you're gonna have 800,000 women. You're gonna have a half a million kids. The point is, this could have been anywhere from a conservative number of people coming out of Egypt. A conservative number would be two to three million people. That's conservative. There's no telling how many this really was. But let's just say between two and three million people. That's a lot of people. Now look at the account as the solemnist records what God did for them and the big picture, which included the Passover meal. You'll see that. He spoke and the locusts came, young locusts without number, and ate up all the vegetation in their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all 
the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Did you see that? Egypt was glad, shouted, when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for covering and a fire to give light in the night. In the desert, he protected them. He provided for them. He delivered them. He judged those that had persecuted, prosecuted, and executed God's people. And now we have this picture of two to three million people after the Passover meal, not one was feeble among them. That needs to sink in. That, that needs to settle. This ought to be taught in every church on a monthly basis, at least when we're partaking of our Passover meal. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, indeed, Christ, who is our Passover meal, sacrificed himself for us. Christ is our Passover meal. Why would we think God was bigger and greater in an inferior covenant at a Passover meal where two to three million people were all healed and not be willing to heal us under this better covenant with Jesus himself, the substance of all the types and shadows being our meal? Now, I know a thousand questions go through people's head, especially, well, I don't want to say it that way. I don't want to condemn you. There's always doubters and unbelievers among us and around us. Well, how come we're not all healed? Because of people like you. Amen. So nobody will ask me that question now. I don't have all the answers why are we not all healed? I just have the answer. We should all expect to be healed. We may struggle. We don't have all the answers. We, I'm going to deal with a lot of things. But the thing is, you have to see from the word of God in their Passover meal, that blood symbolically of the, of the precious blood of Jesus was enough for the angel of death to pass over their house. And that meal they ate. You will never convince me there were, they were a healthy people, two to three million people. They were slaves. They were in bitter bondage for 430 years. They were not a healthy people. I love the Ten Commandments and it's hard to be critical of anything in a movie that good. So I don't mean to be cynical or critical in any way. Cecil B. DeMille was awesome as a director of many high quality type biblical movies. Charlton Heston was one of my favorite actors. Just the guy just talking was awesome. I just wish I could talk and sound like that. <laughs> such character, such perfection of the English language and articulation. And he's Moses. 
how can you not love Charlton Heston? That's Moses, dude. So I love those movies. But in the Ten Commandments, Israel's coming out of Egypt and you see religion finally. You see a little religion. You see the residue of religion. You see the mindset of people even back then. They had to do, saints. I'm not being critical. I'm, I'm trying to be real and honest. They had to have done a lot of research. You can't do a movie like that and there not be theologians around you and researchers that know the Bible. And yet not one person, when they're coming out of Egypt, there's a blind man. And he's stumbling around, tell me what you see, tell me what you see, and and then, and, and, I, I just wish I could see. I did. That's a lie. But there wasn't one person evidently on that staff of researchers that knew Psalm 105 that could have told Cecil B. DeMille, and he'd have got it right, I'm sure that the Bible says there was not one feeble one among their tribe. If you were blind the day before, you got healed that night. And these again were not a healthy people. Their conditions were terrible. This is one of the largest miracles in the Bible. And how many of us have grew up in church our whole life and never heard that scripture? Never tied it in to Christ, our Passover. That was all types and shadows of things to come and not the very image. We have the very substance and image in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, our Passover meal. First Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 23, we usually, and this is no different, don't always have the time to set the full context of these passages and what the Corinthians were doing. And I think that does harm us in our understanding of some of the things that Paul said. But remember, their Passover was a meal. And so all of these house churches would gather together to make up one church, a gathering and an assembly of the ecclesia. And specifically, they would gather together to partake of the Passover meal in which Jesus established it as communion for us on this side of the cross. Before the cross, Passover meal, the substance of it came through the cross in the Lord's Supper where he established, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for the new covenant. And then now the church celebrates Jesus, our Passover meal, but we still are connected to thousands of years ago, Passover and the original Passover meal. And these people were coming together. Listen, and instead of approaching the Lord's table with reverence and honor and thanksgiving for who Jesus is and what he did, a lot of people would get there early and they would eat and eat up almost all the elements. Drink up all the... Boy, that's controversial. I don't know why it's controversial. I mean, I had a pastor jump on me one time and I'm thinking, I don't want to go there. So they were getting drunk on the elements. 
And I didn't write the Bible. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> so I, I can't explain that. I don't want to get into the debate about it. It's just what it says. And Paul says, look, you've got houses to eat and drink in. You're, you're dishonoring the poor. You're dishonoring widows. You're dishonoring the Lord in coming to this table with no reverence for selfish gain. That's the context. Then he says in verse 23, we have to hurry for the sake of time here. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you. So he got this from the Lord. Okay. He wasn't taught this like we have been taught it. He got it straight from the Lord. He says, which I also delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same manner also. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new Testament or the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it and do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You're telling a story, a generational story. You're preaching a message. Says, so I don't know if you've really thought about it, but in Exodus chapter 12, 600,000 men alone, those are separate houses. 600,000 men alone. And in, in the twilight, slay the lamb. How many lambs was that? Don't you think for one minute, Egypt didn't think something's up. What are these Hebrews up to slaying these lambs? And some of them went, I don't care what they're up to. I'm going up there and got in on the salvation of God. Make no mistake about it. We're sending a message to the world every time we walk down here and partake of the Lord's Supper. We're saying judgment is coming. I don't care how many churches say there is no judgment. There is no wrath and there is no hell. There is judgment. There is wrath and there is a devil's hell that you want to avoid. And every time we take communion, we're sending a signal. We're telling the story. Judgment will come and you better have blood applied to your heart for that angel of death to pass over. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. Now, first of all, we have to always deal with this unworthy comment. King James Bible says, if you partake unworthily, God has made all of us worthy by the blood. None of us after the flesh are worthy of anything from God. But how many of you know somebody, somebody made worthy can still do something unworthily? Look to your left and right. You know somebody that's been made worthy by the blood of Jesus, but can do something unworthily. 
So it's not talking about you're not worthy to come eat, so withdraw yourself. Recuse yourself. No, Jesus has made you worthy. By his very blood, he's made you righteous and justified to partake of his blood and body by faith. By faith. Unworthily is the manner in which we come. That's what they were doing. They were not approaching the table with reverence. They were not approaching the table focused on the Lord. They were being selfish and self-centered and not preferring their fellow man. And so notice he says that you're eating and drinking unworthily, not discerning the Lord's body. I've been in this a long time, over four decades now. And I, to this day, <laughs> now somebody might surprise me in this service or someone on the chat. But to this day, I've not met a Christian, professed Christian that doesn't discern the blood. If I ask any Christian, what does the blood, what does the cup represent? They'll say, it's his blood for the remission of my sins. It's his blood to ratify the new covenant. But then when I ask, what does his body represent? They can't answer that question. They discern the blood. Discern means see, understand, perceive. But they don't discern, perceive, understand the significance of the body and the breaking of the Lord's body. And look at what happens. He says, he says, for this cause or this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Because we're not discerning the body, we're, well, I'm going I'm to get into some things in my next session that I've never heard anybody talk about, but I'm going to talk about the reasons for sickness and causes for sickness in our world. And we're living in a fallen world where sickness is just a part of the fall of man. And I'll, I'll explain the difference between the fall and the curse of the fall versus the law and the curse of the law. Because under the law, God made people sick as judgment and punishment. A lot of people who do not discern the word of God, do not discern old covenant from new covenant, law from grace, don't understand it's not God making you sick, but that doesn't mean you won't have the opportunity in this fallen world to get sick. And I'll, I'll deal with all that. This is one of the many causes. There's many causes for sickness in this world. And one of the many causes among Christians is we've not discerned the body. And so we are under, because of not having faith, the same judgment a lost person is under in a body not redeemed in a fallen world. He's trying to tell you that if you do not discern the body, you're going to be no different than a lost person in regards to the health of your body. 
You're going to be sick. You're going to be weak. Many of us are going to die prematurely. Why? See, that's another thing. Don't get mad at me. But I'm going to say it. You're not going to get mad at me. There's people all the time even mad at God on why did so-and-so die? And they're stuck on why did they die? Why did they die? Why did they die? And the truth is, most people couldn't handle the reason they died. Amen or oh me. There's lots of reasons people are dying prematurely. I nearly died. Well, I did die prematurely, but it wasn't from not discerning the Lord's body. It was from having and inheriting a generational curse where a 90% clog in me <laughs> is only a 20% clog in thee. Because I inherited these tiny, tiny veins that was a curse, and I've reversed the curse, and I can't wait to give my testimony soon on what God's doing with my heart. I believe God's given me a new bypass. I just leave it right there, but I'm going to give my testimony because I'm on a journey. And that's one of the many reasons we die prematurely. Curses, family curses, genetic diseases that we have to stand against. We have to trust God. I have at least been, the good thing that's come out of my situation is, I've been praying for all my kids that the buck stops here. The buck stops here. My kids' veins are healed, whole. I break any genetic curse. There's no exceptions in the word of God by his stripes were healed. Now we can get inundated with genetic answers to things where we just give in and go, well, it's just the way it is. Well, it may be the way it is, but it's not the way it has to stay. Because of our Passover meal. You think people didn't have genetic diseases the night before the original Passover? You think there weren't people among them that had inherited something from their family that was killing them? And yet there wasn't one feeble one among them. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm excited. Some of you need to get excited because you may have a disease you don't know you have. I didn't know I had one. I got a wake-up call. I, I suggest believing God now without a wake-up call. <laughs> that when we come to this table, it's our Passover meal, and we got the blood over us and the lamb in us. Hallelujah. The blood over us and the lamb in us. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Lest you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. So he goes right back to the original statement of honoring each other, loving each other, preferring each other. Now, let me do this quickly. 
We have to discern the body, not just the blood. Thank God we discern the blood. And even in discerning the blood, every time we take communion, you need to thank God you've been saved from the wrath to come. You need to consciously thank God that the angel of death is passing over your house. You need to thank God that God is not punishing you no matter what you're going through, that God is not against you, that God is for you, that God is not pouring wrath out on you and cursing you, that Jesus redeemed me from the curse of that law. So anything recorded in Deuteronomy 28 that was the curse, that's what I'm redeemed from. And all you got to do is read it and get excited. But what about the body? It's just sad to me that we can be 2,000 years removed from the cross. And some of the things I'm saying are foreign to people that have been raised in church their whole life. To those of us that have been exposed to the word and to the truth, we haven't delved in deep enough to walk in the light of it in many cases. I'm not condemning myself or anybody else. We need to understand God's love for us, the cross, and that it's not just preaching and it's not something to just get excited about in our flesh, but deep in our heart. God, thank you. I may die disease-stricken, smitten, and afflicted. But in my last breath, I'll be saying, God, thank you that you provided a way out. And at least I found it today. I'm getting out of this body that's mortal and I'm gonna get an immortal body. I'm getting out of this body that's decaying and I'll get a body just like Jesus. So, I mean, the bottom line is we win even if we died disease-stricken. I'm just saying we don't have to die disease-stricken. But even in that, God loves us, hasn't forsook us. And just the hope of knowing healing is available. You know, many of you are watching him. We're going to do special events, live streaming events, probably at, at this location uh, because this is where my recording studio is being built right now as we speak. And so a lot of people will be coming we had people in Durant Sunday all the way from Abilene with four stage cancer spoken over them, but they have seen people healed in this church. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but my grandma believed and died of cancer. We don't die without believing. We're all going to die eventually. And we have to fight the good fight of faith till our last breath. And it all begins and ends with knowing that you know that God wills to heal us. Just because God wills to heal us doesn't mean we're all going to get healed any more than God wills for everybody to be saved. But not everybody gets saved. And who can explain that? People want me to explain why they didn't get healed or grandma didn't get healed but we can't come anywhere near explaining how does anybody go to a devil's hell? And yet they're doing it all around us. There's no explanation. There's no reason for anybody to go to hell. And yet hell is enlarging its mouth as I speak to receive the wicked. And Jesus made a way for everybody to go to heaven. I don't care what church you came out of. 
that teaches that, well, I don't want to go there. Jesus died for the sins of the world. He didn't die for some chosen frozen. He didn't die for an select elect. He didn't die for the righteous. There were none. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he wills that everybody gets saved. And I don't care if you smell like the devil when you come down here. You're so entrenched in evil. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even give up on you at your last breath. You just don't know what might happen in that last breath. That God is so merciful. I'm not saying he isn't just. He is. I'm saying I don't give up on anybody when it comes to heaven. Why would I give up on anybody when it comes to healing? Why would I give up on the blood and the power of the blood? And now not believe in the power of the lamb, the bread, the body. So it's twofold. I'm running out of time. The discerning is twofold when you read the context. Number one, by his stripes were healed. I taught that last week. Isaiah 53, 5, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. That's discerning the body. That there's something to this bread and the eating of this bread that connects me in physical healing at some level, some way, somehow. And every time I take it, I'm gonna believe for God's best in my life. There's something about that blood, and I don't know about you, but I've discerned the blood my entire adult life in a greater measure. My forgiveness. My conscience being purged. I'm still growing in my discerning of the blood. Why can't I keep growing in my discerning of the bread? Number two, discernment of the body is if you read the context of the communion chapter in 11 and the context of 1 Corinthians period, the body is a reference not to Jesus alone, but to you and I, his body. Remember, they were dishonoring the body. They were eating up all the food and drinking up all the element and not waiting for each other and preferring each other and loving each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, Paul says, the cup that we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus? The answer is yes. The bread that we break, is it not the body of Christ? We are the loaf. We are the bread. We are his body. He's the head of his body. I'm not saying we don't remember him, but we remember all of him and the fullness of him and him now united to us. And we need to love each other and respect each other and honor each other. That's discerning the body. Until my trial, I had lived an unbelievably healthy life. Only been sick a couple of times in almost 40 years and got over that. I believe part of that is I discern the Lord's body. Everybody says they understand it. So 1 Corinthians 10, 
makes it clear that we are his body. And then 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, verse 20, and verse 27 make it clear that we're his body. Chapter 11 is in the middle of 10 and 12. So when he says discern the body, you go back to 10, we are the body. You go forward to 12, we're the body. Maybe we're supposed to be thinking about Jesus, yes, but how we're all united to him. And everybody says they get this, but I love you and I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm out of time. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's almost like I'm glad it's over too before I launch a nuke. But everybody looks me in the eye and says, I believe we're members of the body and that we're all one, but we still see color. We still see gender. We still see economic, socioeconomic status. We still see rich or poor, fat and beautiful like me. <laughs> Let it go. If we really believed we are members of the very body of Jesus and how I treat you, how I treat my black brothers and sisters, how I treat women, how I treat the poor, how I treat those in prison, the Lord takes it personal. We wouldn't say the things about each other we say. We wouldn't treat one another the way we treat one another. We wouldn't be disrespectful and mean and hurtful and harmful. So I love you, but people say, well, I discern the body. Well, why are you always upset at me? I'm a member of your body and I love you. Amen. Why are you upset at other members of the body of Christ? Because they don't look like you or talk like you or believe like you. Are we discerning the body? I don't know. But I'm supposed to judge myself so that I'm not judged with the world. What does it mean to judge myself? Lord, as I approach this table, I thank you for your blood, the blood over me. I thank you for the lamb, the lamb in me. And I thank you that I'm a part of a family that is one loaf. We're one loaf. And whether we like it or not, we're partaking of each other's lives, both good and bad. Man, did anybody get anything? Praise God. Father, I just thank you that those that are a part of the live stream, that anointing is there. The anointing is on your word. You sent your word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Thank you that the word has been sent Faith has come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I just believe healing is happening for those that are a part of our family, a part of this live stream. Thank you for the partners that you've given DSM to get the message of grace and truth out. Thank you for their homes and the blood over their homes and the lamb in their hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for touching lives for your glory. We anticipate and look forward to the testimonies that will encourage the faith of others. Thank you for the many people that were healed last week. 
those that didn't receive or weren't able to get that manifestation, we don't, we don't quit fighting. We stand and after doing all to stand, we continue to stand there for. And we're going to be dressed in the things of God in our battle. Thank you for healing us in our hearts of all this brokenness, healing us from the weight of sin on our world and healing our bodies so we can serve you, so we can serve each other. Lord, heaven is a beautiful place, but you want us here as long as possible. I speak long life over everyone within the sound of my voice. I thank you that we were able here to take communion. We were able to partake of our Passover meal and that blood has cleansed us and washed us and we stand boldly before your throne with much gratitude. And we have that lamb in us. We have partook of the body and I thank you that the days are coming that there will not be one feeble one among us because we believe. There'll be places there'll always be feeble ones. Even in your own hometown, you could do no mighty work. And so unbelief does affect faith. But Lord, we call this a house of faith. And like Terry said earlier, where we have different kinds of unbelief, thank you for healing us of that. And that we just believe only tonight in Jesus' name and for his glory, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, we need the ministry teams to come on down. Those of you that are on the chat room, there should be a way for you to get in contact with us to either pray for you or to hear your testimony. I'm praying about a live stream after this series where I pray specifically for you and answer questions. I'm not sure if we're gonna be ready for that, so I don't wanna overpromise and underperform, but thanks for being a part of the live stream. We will stay connected at some level. All right, if you need prayed for, please come on down. We'll lay hands on you and believe God for your full recovery. Otherwise, you're dismissed. I'll see you next Wednesday.